know where you are, Bartholomew. Don Medina, I am Francis Barnum. I will tell you where you are. You are about to enter hell, Bartholomew. Hell! The netherworld. The infernal regions. The abode of the damned. The place of torment. Pandemonium. Abandoned. Naraka, the pit, and the pendulum. Hello, I'm Vincent Price. You're listening to the Buzzkill Podcast. Episode 147, welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, where today, The Price is Right, actor's spotlight on Vincent Price. I for sure thought you were going to say, The Price is Wrong, bitch. I thought about it. Because you've been saying it all day so The Price is Wrong, bitch. It would have been Uh, a much better way to open the show. And an actor's spotlight on Adam Sandler would have been a much better choice as well. (laughs) I mean, come on, Vincent Price, Adam Sandler. Has he done any horror movies? Sandler? Yeah. Um... If not, he should. I mean... They wouldn't be good, but... Click. That was just bad, though. It's it's scary. So bad, it was scary. (laughs) Uh, Kate Kate Beckinsale was a saving grace. That's true, that's true. What about about that murder mystery movie that he was just in? Um, I haven't seen that, actually. The one with... um... We watched that. Was it it, it just a straight-up comedy? Maybe it was like Clue. Oh. I love Clue. It was with... uh, 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 Aniston. uh, 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 Jennifer Aniston. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He also did the... um, your mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what was that fucking movie with uh, with all the different characters and they're all brothers? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, it was so dumb. Yeah. So fucking dumb. Wasn't it, it like was... he and she? Or no, his, or, uh, no. It was, it was a Netflix. No, it was a Netflix movie. Was it two people's names? No. Jane and... No. No? No. The, the, the Ridiculous Six. About. The Ridiculous Six. That's what it was. Oh. It was so stupid, but it was so <laughs> funny. Um, on that note, guys, I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And uh, today... Today we're going a little old school. Yeah. A little Vincent Price. Mm. Master of the macabre. Ah, uh, yes. The Duke of Doom. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I can't do a Vincent Price, but I wish I could. He doesn't really... It's crazy because for... He's Vincent Price. Uh. Yeah, it's weird. He's got a weird voice. It, it's funny because <laughs> his voice is uh, is so like highly acclaimed as this... You know, as I mean, like it was... Like he he does the uh, the narration in the beginning of the Raven where he's uh-huh. like and <clears throat> even though it's not a like super spooky voice there is something kind I of think he's, I think he's got a spooky voice it's just weird there's something like he's got like a deep voice but it's got like a really high end to it if that makes any kind of sense yes like it's almost like a juxtaposition he's, he's of, got his bass and his treble turned way up no yeah, yeah. no mids cut yeah, those fucking exactly mids what it is. it's exactly what it is yeah um but yeah i don't know i love his voice i think his voice is great oh of course first thing i ever heard him in was probably the thriller video actually mm-hmm. i'm sure i'd heard stuff before but the first time i ever like put like a name to that voice was the thriller video the th- I, I can't do it. He rolls his R's sometimes. And thrilla. 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 It's, that's a weird place to roll your R. And th- thrilla. <laughs> one, more, one more time. One more time. The, thr- <laughs> the funk of 40,000 years. But uh, before we get to Vincent Price. Yes. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing... Um, I've been better. 
Why? Got a little bit of a tummy ache right now. Aww. Um, I uh, I had a really good day today, right? I was out getting some stuff done, mm-hmm. sold some stuff because mm-hmm. I'm you know got shit coming out my ears with the move <coughs> still, and um, I'm way over here. I decided to stop at uh, good old Timmy Ho Ho's, Tim Hortons, yeah, to get a uh, get an ice cap. Mm-hmm. And what do I see on the menu? But an Oreo ice cap. Oh, of course. Right. I've been avoiding it. And I'm like, well, I have to get the Oreo ice cap. And so I ordered a regular. Mm-hmm. I get up to the to the window and they say, "We're out of, we're out of regular cups." So we gave you a large instead. <laughs> I we're out of we're out of the ice part of the ice cap. So <laughs> here's a cup full of Oreos. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been great. But no. So they gave me a large Oreo ice cap, mm. which I'm pretty sure was about nine thousand calories. Hell yeah. I drank 75% of it, yeah. which was the worst mistake of the day because now... How was it, though? Oh, it was delicious. I've been avoiding it. It was delicious. I, I know that if I get one, then I'll just keep There's still some in the to... cup over there if you want to... No, I don't even want to try it because then I'll go get one tomorrow. Like If you're going to get something like that, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It is so incredibly sweet. And there's large cookie chunks in oh, the ice cap. Hell yeah. So you have to chew and drink at the oh, same time. yeah. That's the like, best. Like, drink. I love a nice chewy drink. <laughs> 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 um, but like, like, if you're gonna get this, I would recommend getting a small <clears throat> and splitting it with like your entire village. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do it. It, t- it takes a village. Sometimes, it does. So. It, it's just it's so incredibly sweet. <laughs> and then I had this Hershey's chocolate latte espresso shot. Yeah, why did you even really, bother with that? Which really was not good. That was, I mean, it was delicious, but it was not not a good choice to put on my already. You know what you do at, s- at sugary stomach at Timmy's. As for the extra shot of espresso in the uh, oh, in the sure. ice cap, and it cuts down the sweetness. Mm. That's how, actually how idea. I prefer it. That's a good idea. That's my jam. Yeah, no more no more specialty uh, coffee drinks though. Speaking of jams, uh, I, I'm gonna get away from your thing because it's getting old. <laughs> we uh, we went to see Sugar <laughs> Ray. Oh, we did. We and did. That was cool. A little um, throwback to the '90s was, it was very radical. I saw the video you guys sent in our group chat. And the yeah. whole time I was just singing, "I just wanna die," because <laughs> it was it was pretty drank, so, man. So yeah, Mark McGrath was, was not <clears throat> was not his A game. I saw him a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. he was flawless. Like he was perfect. Not just his looks. Like, oh, well, his voice. His voice was yeah. flawless. Um, I would say this though. They were also on a tour schedule then. This, I think, was more of a one-off, one-off show. Sort of thing, so yeah. he might not have really been in singing shape. You know what I'm saying? He might, they, they might not even have, he might not have sang outside of that show for a while. So he True, might, yeah. might not have been warmed up properly or whatever. I'll give him that. But when you were there or, live. Or maybe he's like wasn't... Mike and he just doesn't warm up at all, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the difference is that I suck and he's actually pretty good. Ah, so, yes. I, I mean, like half-step increments, like of, <laughs> no, I was like, ah, I can hear the harmonies and stuff hitting. Was, yeah. Ah. So when you were there, it wasn't as bad like you could notice it but like it wasn't to where you weren't enjoying it uh, maybe because it was loud as fuck it was loud it was was very loud loud. we we ended up kind of we we shimmied in uh right up in front of the sound booth Mm -hmm. so we had like the you know like all the sound was converging right where our faces were which is a great spot to be though yeah but man those people don't know how to mix a live band no it was it was bad the acoustic guitar, I understand that in Sugar Ray's music, the acoustic guitar is like front and center mm-hmm. in a lot of this stuff, 
but they had it up so loud. Yeah. It was well, you, you could hear the actual picking on the strings. Yeah. That's how loud it was. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't just getting the twang from the strings. You were actually hearing the hit. Yeah, it was like super trebly and like it, just, it was not mixed well. But I will say this: his in between songs, he was on his A game. Oh yeah, like he's well, the he's one of the best frontmen as far as as far as banter goes. You told me this, and a this while is back. sort of how I talked them up. I so they're they're so self aware of what they are at this point. Like they know they are a '90s nostalgia act, and they mm-hmm. don't they they and they play up to it. Yeah, and they're not ashamed of it either. Like they, they love. They're so excited. They're so self-aware. Yeah, they love the fact that they're yeah this kind of callback thing. When I saw them the first time, they were all wearing perfect white suits, and like it was almost like the um the video for was it someday where they're wearing like all the white suits. Anyone else remember this? Oh, I don't at know. All? There was a video where they were all wearing that though, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how they dressed on stage, and mm-hmm. it was it was so fun. It was so good. They did like a like a game show or something like that, like a '90s nostalgia game show, and they were up there. Like yeah. it, was, it was so awesome, and um, they did not <clears throat> let me down this show either. Like I said, maybe the vocal performance wasn't perfect, yeah. but um, they did play stuff off of Lemonade and Brownies though, which I was very happy. Um. You know, the Sugar Ray rap rock record before <laughs> before uh, they got popular. Of course, Mike. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mike wants to hear the rap rock, and they played it right when you jumped up front too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So hey. Maybe they did it just for you. They saw me coming. Mm-hmm. They knew it. <laughs> like, this guy's going to storm the stage <laughs> like, look, if we don't play some like, shitty look, rap rock. Like, look at this loser. He's stuck in the 90s. Let's play some <laughs> rap rock for him. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Oh, was it boy. the jorts that gave it away? Is oh, that, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Perfectly cut off jorts. What about you, Jay? What have you been up to? Well, I uh, I saw a murder scene today, so that was kind of cool, I guess. What? <laughs> Not really cool. Kinda, Tell me more. <laughs> we uh, just just driving uh, through an area, and then there was all these. Uh, it was actually by the uh, St. John's over on Barras over oh. there, and directly across the street there was a. Um, uh, the cops had just showed up. They were taping it all off, blocked off this whole house. Shit ton of cop cars. All kinds of people standing out, screaming, going crazy all over the place. Yeah. And uh, and I, I'm only assuming they're they're police lining off the entire house area if something bad happened there sure. so it's unfortunate that uh something that happened minus uh, forgive not- forgive my uh uh funny banter in the beginning it's not really a funny stitch but it's not something you see every day either no though. it's not I, there's, I, a, there's a certain amount of excitement in that like like um actually not too uh, last week two weeks ago there was a huge scene where on fourth of july i don't know if we talked about this or not but there's a guy in in my home city like right down the street from me and james oh, yeah. actually that like didn't like the sounds of his neighbor's fireworks going off so he came out and started shooting people they and, weren't even doing fireworks they were doing sparklers yeah I, i've S- snakes yeah, and sparklers dude came out shot hit a 12 year old girl in the arm hit the hit a mother like I, yeah and then he ended up like barricading himself in the house for like over 30 20, hours or something over 24 like hours yeah. killed his girlfriend and then killed himself yeah. crazy scene right yeah it was weird but i'm driving home and like you saw the street blocked off and mounds and throngs of people mm-hmm. just like just hanging out right there or whatever and i'm passing by and i go this is a really shitty situation and it was ongoing at that point mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a really shitty situation, but there's a part where I'm like, it's kind of cool to see, though, because you don't see stuff like that all the time. Like, well, it's, there's a certain level of excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a certain level of excitement, though, of just, like, something out of the ordinary. Oh, sure. You know? Like, there's all those people were, I, I imagine some of those people were people who were waiting to get back to their homes. Sure. Because oh, sure. the some of them, cops yeah. wouldn't let them go to their homes. But and they couldn't leave their homes, either. Yeah, exactly. But I, I have to <clears> guess <throat> that some of those people were just, just there for the excitement to see what was going on you know i'm sure yeah it's weird yeah it is weird we're a weird species like that where we like we're drawn to the to the horrible you know what i mean it's like a like a a train wreck you can't look away that's exactly what it is that's the truth it's like uh your face (laughs) 
I just I think can't, it's just, I can't look away. You, uh, you see these things on TV. another surgery? And, <laughs> <laughs> at TV and movies, and, and you never experience it in real life. So you're almost just like awestruck of like, wow, I'm, I'm witnessing this firsthand. Right. And, you know, uh-huh. not that you want to witness it. Um, he's just, he's the average person doesn't see that all the time. Yeah. A Co- couple yeah. years back, I was uh, house sitting for my parents' house. And uh, it was like 12 o'clock at night. And uh, I looked into the back of the house. I saw this flickering light. Turns out the house behind my parents was on fire. And, uh, you know, you like to think that you're going to keep your calm in that situation. Lost my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, oh, God, the house is on fire. Like, yeah. <laughs> I did. It was completely aflame. Um, I just didn't know what to do. I eventually called 911. It was my call that actually got them there. Nobody wow. else has seen it. But, um, but it was just crazy, though. Like, like it, yeah, it's like stuff that you don't see every day. It's uh-huh. like just a weird reaction that you get sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, um, well, uh, speaking of things that go horribly wrong, why don't we get into some corrections from last week? Um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your super enthusiastic segue there. Oh, okay. That was great. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only have one, uh, one correction this week, and that is, uh, Rip Torn's name in Men in Black was Zed. Zed. I said it was M. That mm. was way off. Okay. It was like middle of the alphabet, he's at the end of the alphabet. Ah, uh, yes. But Zed, that's his name. All right. And once again, rest in peace, Rip Torn. I'm still yeah, not over damn it. damn it. That sucks. Damn. But uh, anyway, that's it. That's the only uh, correction that I have. That's uh, all? That's it. All right. I already corrected the fact that I drank too much. Drank too much what? Tim Hortons. Oh. (laughs) Because that is a correction as well. (laughs) Also, correction, you drink too much just in general. Oh, damn it. I need my bottle opener for these. Um, You know, we didn't didn't talk about this uh, earlier, but I feel that it is absolutely worth mentioning. Um, Especially because he's helping out right now with the beer opener. Tank is couching it right now. What's up, Tank? Hey. Good old, good old Tank. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, what's up, bud? Uh, Tank, uh, Tank just recently started his own podcast, the uh, Galaxy of Heroes. Mm-hmm. So if you're into Star Wars, what is it called? Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Oh, Star Wars Galaxy. How could I not fucking figure that out? <laughs> uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. It's a mobile game. So if you're if you're into that kind of thing, listen to his podcast because it's fantastic. Well, and you guys all. I mean, are you sticking mostly to the Galaxy of Heroes game, or are you you're gonna branch off it's, into um, the films and stuff? It's mainly it's mainly the game Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, but also it's a big part of it. It's about beer. Um, my my co-host is also uh, he's a brewer himself. He oh, does cool! A lot of home brewing, so we talk a lot about beer. We have a similar uh, uh, segment of the podcast, like you guys do about beer. So could he? So I'm, I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But could he brew us a beer for the oh, show? A buzzed kill dude, beer? Totally. Hell yeah! He's this a, is a good this a is master. a good partnership here. He's a brewmaster. I feel like it should actually be like in uh, in in the Drew Carey show where they make buzzed beer. Mm-hmm. And it's beer mixed with coffee. We should do something like that. He would do it, right? I wonder if we could get him to brew an entire keg, and we could they could sell it at the canteen because yeah. they have one of those keggers things. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Probably not legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, that being said, since uh, since uh, Tank he you know he told us that they were thinking about starting this podcast and that they were going to have sort of a similar format to ours, where they would also be talking about beer throughout the show. And so we've we've created uh, what we're calling the Can Crackers Collective. Mm-hmm. So far, it's just us two shows. But hey, if anybody out there has a similar format type of show, it's two shows and a name. Two shows. <laughs> That's all we got going right now. <laughs> two shows and a name. The Can Crackers Collective. They also start their uh, their show out out with a uh, a can crack mm-hmm. like we do. So 
I think we're onto something pretty cool here. I think so too. If we can get if we can get some more cool people with good shows. Or not good shows. I don't care as long as you talk about Ew, beer. What'd you was, do to was that? Was Ben Stiller hanging around my beard? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Something about Mary H? What is that? What is that? Oh, it's the glue from the... <laughs> no, yeah, wow. it's sticky, all right. Was this in your car? The sticky icky. Was what? this in your car at some point today? <clears throat> I mean, to drive it over here. Oh, I just thought like if it's if it was super hot in the car, the, the glue would melt down like that. <clears throat> oh, there's always something super hot going on in my car, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, so anyway, check out uh, check out Galaxy of Bureaus, that's Tank's show, and uh, support them as much or more than you do us. <laughs> We're we talk about uh, Star Wars in general too. We have a segment just about Star Wars. Yeah, it's so, not just about the game. Yeah, so if you're into Star Wars and beer, hey man, that's you your go. place to go. Does that mean I have to watch them all first before I uh, listen to your show? Nah, <laughs> spoilers. He's never seen a single Star Wars movie. This show is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, but I, I'm holding out now. It's like, no, I'm not gonna watch them now, just on principle, right? <laughs> but I, I really want to. <laughs> we should actually after uh, Jimmy Tony's done with the MC. You, we should do a, we should do a similar thing with Jay, and we'll get him caught up on the Star Wars movies. And I'll bring my cousin in, yeah. Justin Tony, <laughs> from uh, from up north in Canada. So Star Wars, eh? <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so this week we are doing an actor spotlight of Vincent Price, the Correct. Vincent Price. Correct. And uh, Michael went out and got us a beer. Have we never drank this on this show? No, we have not. Okay. Well, oh, I hope not. I've never tried this beer, and I've always wanted to because I'd, I love Ed Graham. Then why did you? Then why'd you ask me if we had had it on the show? I thought that maybe we did. Oh no. I don't know. I thought maybe well, I tried it before, but now that I know that we didn't have it on the show, I know that I've never tried. Yeah. It. So real quick before you start this though, we yep. we somehow managed to pick two movies or actually a part of a series yeah and neither of us really knew that they were connected in that way and that was um the uh, roger corman mm -hmm. did a series of movies based on edgar Allan poe adaptations right um one of them being the raven which mm -hmm. we watched and the other one being the pit and the pendulum mm -hmm. which i i don't know how i didn't know this probably because i'm a stupid person yeah i didn't realize that the pit and the pendulum was a poe story come on I'd always heard of it. Like, I, I knew what the pit and the pendulum was. I just don't think that I ever knew that it was Poe. Michael. Listen. Get your head out of your ass. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's warm there, and I like the smell, okay? <laughs> um, but, no, but so uh, this beer reflects the, the, the accidental pairing of, you know, of that. Yes. So. Uh, from New Holland Brewing in Holland, Michigan, this is called the Poet Oatmeal Stout. And uh, on, on, the, on the label is a beautiful silhouetted... Black Raven, oh yeah, silhouetted uh, upon the the full moon. It's very um sexual. Uh, well, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Poe esque, but uh, sexual too. Yeah, is it poetic? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Ooh, hello. That. Look at that. All right. Uh, so this is the poet oatmeal stout. Oats bring a creaminess and soft mouthfeel to rich roasty malt character. Find poetry within. Stop and taste. Mm. Well, boys, you ready to find poetry within? Let's do it. Cheers, Cheers. fellas. Mm. That's pretty good. That is good. Yeah. There's um, so a lot of these stouts that we drink, at least recently, especially last week, we had a, um, we had a stout, and it was crazy strong like it was yeah. really strong full of flavor this one is a little bit more on the weaker side i'm not calling it weak but it's it's a little bit more subdued well for I think yeah for a stout this is 5.8 abv mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is pretty low for 
for an oatmeal stout, isn't it? Um, no. Don't they tend to usually be a little more no, high octane than that? No, not all of them. Is there pairings? What, oh, is there pairings on the bottle? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what let me see. Oh, look at this. Mush mushroom head? Mu <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, pair with the band Mushroom Head. <laughs> Beef from the Phantom of the Opera, or Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, <laughs> uh, soft ripened cheeses from, from under Mike's nuts. <laughs> and chocolate. <clears throat> which, you know, chocolate. you know where you find chocolate. <laughs> We don't have to explain everything to you. This is the most appealing beer we've ever had on the show. <laughs> mm. It's good though. I like you know, it. It's actually really good. I, I do like it. Yeah. There's not there's not too much from New Holland that I don't like. New Holland, yeah. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> so that's the uh, the beer that we're drinking today, and uh, I think I think it's time. What you picking up? I, I'm, I'm there's. If you take a big swig mm -hmm. on the, usually you get a lot of flavor on the back of your tongue. Tank, <laughs> he's dying right now. Um, I'm actually picking up like there's a certain brightness though on the front of my tongue. <laughs> Come on, shut up. There is though. I'm serious. All like, right, there is. so you're telling me take to take a, a big take a bigger swig. I'm actually I'm getting it more up front rather than in the back. Brightness. Bright in the front. I see what you're. I see what you're it's saying. It's fair, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Listen, listen. I'm not. I'm not like it's a, not a beer connoisseur here. I just like to drink it. So this is not my verbiage. Might not always be the greatest. This is not. It's not bitter. Like I, I find a lot of. I find a lot of stouts have sort of a really kind of bitter, uh, sort of aftertaste. It's actually more like on the front end, mm -hmm. the bitterness in stouts to me anyway. That's my palate. And everybody sure. knows that I have a very sophisticated palate, so. Well, mine's a trash palate, so. <laughs> but this one, no, this one's pretty well-rounded. We're, we're, we're finding some, some middle ground on this one. Uh, anyway, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah, um, so now I think it's time to probably transition into Mike's favorite part okay. of the show. Okay, I've, I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah. After after last week, we had a little bit of a uh, an insight to to Jimmy Tony. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm I'm feeling you, for him a little bit this time around. So I'm I'm going to try to be nice to him. I think you've I think you've kind of picked up on why maybe I go missing during his segment because him and I have a bit of a volatile sort well, of relationship with each other. We love each other, but not as uh, much as he loves goats. Apparently, true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, <laughs> that was that was definitely an insight that I I you know what fuck it I expected it yeah actually well yeah yeah it's, sounds about right so uh, <laughs> so anyway I think I think it's time to give up give uh, give give my uh, my cousin Jimmy Tony a, a ring and find out what see he's... even you're not looking forward to this you're stumbling over it too like God damn, I don't want to do it oh crap <laughs> we're gonna call him and find out what he thought about the latest installment or in the MCU and the... what is it this week. Uh, this week, uh, we both watched Iron Man 3. Ooh, had you guys seen this one yet? Uh, no. Oh. No. All right. So this is so a brand we're, new we're one. So we're starting to get into territory now, some, some dicey territory. Yes. Of, yes. It's not dicey, it's just What's after new. this? Thor Dark World? I believe I think I've seen yeah. that, and then I think that might be where I drop off. So, we'll see. All right. So, anyway. It's Jimmy Tony's Marvelous All right, we're gonna give uh, Jimmy Tony a call here. Um, hopefully, when we call him, he picks up there and doesn't surprise us like he did last week. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I'm trying to turn over a new leaf with him a little bit because I feel kind of bad for him. That just that doesn't mean I necessarily want to see him again. So, uh, <laughs> so all right, Jay, if you want to give him a, give him a call here. 
What, are we going to get voicemail again? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hey. hey. Hey, there he is. Jimmy Tony. How you doing? Jimmy, my man. What's up, dude? Hey, uh, what's going on, boys? Uh, J- hey. uh, Jimmy, you don't sound like yourself. Why the long face? Well, uh, it's tough to talk about, fellas. You're not with a goat right now, are you? No, man. Come on. <laughs> what's up, dude? We, we lost Beverly, man. We lost her. Was that... Who, okay. I'm not familiar with your whole side of the family. Is that your wife? No, man. It's my damn goat. <laughs> oh, we lost Pardon me. Man. Oh. Okay, I, I do ask again. You're not having sex with your goat right now, right? Michael, for fuck's sake, Michael. Jeez. I'm sorry. Too, I needed to be sure here. It's too soon, man. Have I'm, a heart, will you, man? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Well, we're, uh, our condolences. Sorry for uh, your loss. Hey. What, ha- what happened? Well, uh, I don't want to get into specifics, but... Uh, it happened on date night, and uh, I, I just I can't talk about it, fellas. It's too. Sad. Well, listen, listen, listen. We're all about we're all about looking on the bright side with these things, Jimmy Tony. If it yeah. makes you feel any better, you're gonna have some some real tasty dinners in the next couple weeks. I swear to God, Mike. Next time I see him, I'm gonna punch you square in the face. <laughs> I'm trying to help. You're not uh. helping. You're not helping. Well, maybe we can get your mind off of it by talking about the latest MCU movie. Yeah. I believe you guys watched, uh, was it Iron Man 3 Iron this week? Iron Man 3. Yeah, I'd appreciate that, boys. Let's try and move on. Let's try and all move right, on. All right, all and right. I, uh, there's, I, hopefully there's going to be no battles today, and I'm actually going to get to use my uh, my timer and time you actually doing something. Yeah, so. I do apologize. I don't know if I'm going to stick to a minute because, hell, man, I got so much on my damn mind. But uh, I do want to apologize for last week. Uh well, James uh, James would have been here, but he decided to take his uh, take a leave uh, this time. You know, because uh, things got so heated last time. You know, I think I, he just wanted to avoid that. I can't say as though I blame him. Uh, I talked to him after the show. We had a little bit of a talk, and then uh, I talked to my wife, and I talked to Beverly, and uh, we all kind of agreed that um, maybe maybe next week I might take a week off. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see somebody about this anger problem that I got. Oh. That's that's a big step. Yeah, well, you know, I'm always trying to move forward. I'm always trying to progress, boys. So you know how it goes. Did you say move forward or move <laughs> forward? Oh, As in, it's too it's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy, I'm sorry for laughing, man. It's just uh. Jay- we just Jimmy, don't have Jimmy. a lot of livestock in our area, so if someone just mentions a livestock animal and it uh, it, it gives me the chuckles. So. Oh, God, boys. Can we Regardless move on? Of the... Can we please move on? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's, All right. Yeah. Come on. Let's right. move forward. Okay. All right. Let's... Yeah. Well, again with it, boys. Come on. Stop it. Well, I heard, I heard the Iron Man 3 was utterly delightful. Boys, I swear to God. I swear, <laughs> actually, that one was pretty good. <laughs> Utterly delightful. <laughs> All right, I'm feeling a little bit better, y'all. Mike, well, good, man. Mike, this is rare, but I'm actually going to say thank you for that one. You're, you're welcome, Jimmy Tony. Uh, all right. You all sound right. like the Jimmy Tony I'm used to now a little bit. Yeah, Bring in some life I'm back into you. a little bit, but hold on. Let me get a shot of Jack real quick. All right. All right, boys. <clears throat> I'm back. I'm All right, I'm feeling better. All right, so you ready to start this one? We got yeah, a, let's do it. We got a minute on the clock. Yeah, boy, we'll and see. And goat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Iron Man 3. Well, boys, out of all the Iron Man films, this was definitely one of them. <laughs> I will say this. It was kind of refreshing to finally get a glimpse of that gooey center underneath the proverbial metal donut that is Iron Man. Mm. We really got a look at Tony's humanity, and it turns out he's kind of a pussy. <laughs> Which, you know, makes guys like me feel better. 
Uh, then we've got Eldritch Killian swooping in and trying to get at Pepper's pot. And she's pretty damn receptive about the whole thing. She shoots down his business proposal at first. But when it comes time to get a kiss on the cheek to say goodbye, this gal turns her head... She turns her wanton lips toward him like she's a, a damn, like he's a damn magnet. You know what I mean? And I gotta say, this, this Eldritch Killian was played by Guy Pierce. This is not a handsome man. He is downright ugly. I mean, if I had a dog this ugly, I'd shave his ass and make him walk backwards. You know what I mean? Whoa. This boy is. This boy is about. No, oh, speaking of dogs, there's your. Uh, there's your minute up, man. Well, I, I'm. I'm. You can, you can keep. You can keep rolling, man. I'm. I'm. In, I'm, I'm grieving here, boy. So I'm gonna take all the time I damn well please. This boy, he's about as handsome as I am likely to vote for Bernard Sanders. I just gotta tell you that. Then I'm just. I'm gonna move on from there. Yeah, let's not start that combo. Tony's arch nemesis from the comics, the Mandarin, the leader of the Ten Rings. He makes a, he makes an appearance in this movie. I gotta say, uh, his story arc was the most fascinating to me. I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't want to give too much away. You know what I mean? Sure. But needless to say, things heat up in this movie. That's not figurative, boys. Things literally get hotter than the hinges on the gates of hell. But like I said, don't want to give too much away. Uh, I'm going to just move into some scores because I'm going way over my time here. So, Tony gets a 42 for the number of multi-million dollar suits he's willing to part ways with. That's true. And he Lots gets, of suits. And he gets a 30. One for every second that he actually spends in the damn suit in this movie, for crying out loud. Kill- so, is that, so is, that a, is that a total of 72 then you're giving Tony Stark? Uh, yeah, sure. We can oh. add them up if you want to. Okay. So overall, not bad. It's so tender. It's so tender, <laughs> damn it. All right, Killian, played by Guy Pierce, gets a nine for his ability to form a diabolical plan. He gets a three for the number of times I vomited while looking at his face. Ugh. Pepper, Pepper drops another three points for acting like a strumpet, but gains six for being a complete badass for the rest of the film. So uh, I, I think if the count is right, she's back up to a 6.5 overall. And uh, I'd say, like I said, boys, this was not my favorite movie in the MCU so far. It felt a little disjointed to me. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this one. Well, hold on. I, I just heard about this new rating system that we're supposed to use. Oh yeah. Something, something about your friend Chris Jordan. Yeah, you, you gotta, you have to uh, be a better man than your, uh, than your cousin. Okay. All right. Well, that shouldn't be too hard. No, no, it shouldn't be. So uh, I'm gonna give this one. You, though. I'm gonna give this I mean, one a. Sorry. Damn it, Mike. Let me just finish here. I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10, I believe. Okay, okay. Yeah, a little above average? A little above average, yep. Okay, Not okay. my favorite, not the worst. Now, now what's your favorite uh, of the Iron Man movies? How, where does this one rank in the three Iron Man movies? Uh, I'm going to go 1, 2, 3, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, that's a pretty yep. popular opinion. Yep, so that's uh, that's all for me, boys. I'm out of here. I got a, I got a funeral to get to, damn it. All right, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> take, take your time. Don't... Uh, don't, I, gotta, I gotta go, boys. Don't meet any random sheep on the way back home. I heard that, you son of a bitch. All right, bye. See you, Tony. Bye. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, he's grieving. I, I, would, I wasn't expecting that, man. I was. He was a little more uh, reserved this time around, and uh, yeah, he's he um he's definitely different than than we've seen him in the past. Yeah, I mean, I expected the same old uh, Jimmy Tony from from before, you know. Yeah, I he. he I've never seen that kind of humanity from him before because, quite frankly, I didn't think that he had that kind of humanity. 
Uh, what what happened? Oh, uh, hey, you're back. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Tony, um, I think he fucked a goat to death. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Beverly? Yeah. What happened? I, I, there was a freak accident. Something happened. Beverly's dead. Oh, God. So, like I said, I, I, I have my theory as to what happened. I don't know exactly. He didn't want to get into it. Or he, oh, or or he was too into it. That could have been it too. I'm not I'm not really sure. That's tough, man. That's big. But um, that's big. He's had that goat for a long time. Hmm. Huh. Well, yep. that's that's terrible. Maybe he was just maybe he was just feeding it the wrong thing. <laughs> you guys, did you, you guys? <laughs> who knew who knew that goat didn't like sausage? <laughs> you guys didn't make fun of him, did you? No, no, no not no, not no. intentionally. Right. It, it just it, there was a couple chuckles towards him because it caught us off guard. What kind okay. of people do you think we are? Uh. Human trash. As, <laughs> as you put it, he or he, you know, you guys are kin. Yeah, kin folk. I'm talking as like he him. Would I'm, put it. I'm talking like him now. You got <laughs> y'all are kin. <laughs> He's my blood. He's. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully that went well. Uh, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. And that was my cousin Jimmy Tony. Let's get into the bleed feed. Rest in peace, Beverly. in the bleed feed let's get to this um sorry i'm trying to figure out where to what where to what you gave me like the most dumbfounded look no i'm just listening quite to you. possibly that's that's the is look that, is that the look, that's the look i give you when i'm listening <laughs> oh mom that's that's your face then um okay let's see here for the first time ever this is exciting i've i've talked about how halloween horror nights is one of the most fun things I've ever done mm-hmm. when it comes to like like 4D, if you will, experiences sure. with horror stuff. Um, and I'm and I've been wanting to go back. This might be the year. Yeah, probably in not. California, right? Probably not. Is that but, where? Uh, California and Orlando. Oh, they do it they in do, Orlando they too. They do it cool. both. Yep. Uh, this year's though, for the first time ever, Ghostbusters oh. are joining the Halloween Horror Nights lineup. Nice. Um, this is pretty exciting. Uh, the press release goes as follows. In each maze, guests will follow in the footsteps of the Ghostbusters, Peter, Ray, Egon, and Winston, as they venture through artfully recreated scenes from the film, including the Firehouse, the New York Public Library, and the Temple of Gozer, as an army of ghoulish spirits, hideous specters, and ectoplasm-dripping phantasms attack you from every corner. As they delve deeper into the maze, guests will come face-to-face with an array of paranormal creatures, from the ferocious Slimer to the all-powerful Gozer and the Gozerian and its ultimate destructor form, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, uh, to brave the demonic spirits and survive the night. Uh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I want to walk through the public library and have there be ghosts there. And mm-hmm. Have the Dewey Decimal System explode <laughs> on me. That's not a euphemism. I want literally that. Um, <laughs> like, I need to go back to this. Like, yeah, it needs to that happen. sounds and so I, cool. And I, and I know people in both areas that I could take advantage of. Do they... So do they... So now that they're adding the Ghostbusters, will that be part of every year then? No, no, no. They it's different every, it it's different every year. Oh, okay. uh, it, I've some, never been. Some so. of them return mm-hmm. for you know for pre, you know uh, consecutive years. Sure. But for the most part, every year they start from scratch and you know figure out what they want to do. Right. This year, being that there's a new Ghostbusters movie, it, it just makes sense. Yeah. But Ghostbusters is so beloved, it wouldn't shock me if it continued for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just so cool. I don't know. It's just a really really cool thing. Yeah, it sounds um, awesome. If you're interested in this and you're in the 
uh, Hollywood or Orlando areas. Uh, Halloween Horror Nights starts on September 6th in Orlando and September 13th in Hollywood. And it runs through Halloween, I think a couple of weekends after, mm -hmm. but uh, that general area. Go to the World Wild Web. World Wild Web. No, the World, World Wild Web. The World Wide Web. <laughs> Wide World Web. Hmm? Web World Wild. Yep. Any, any of the above. <laughs> and uh, you can get more information. Um, there's a new Critters movie coming out. Uh-huh. Um, reviews, not great. Oh, boy. <laughs> not so great. However, uh, D. Wallace is in the new Critters movie. D. Wallace was also in the original Critters. Mm -hmm. And uh, the weird thing is, is uh, in this movie, she is... Uh, she's cast in a role named Aunt D, mm -hmm. which people were very confused about being that the original character she played was Helen yeah. in the original farmhouse that got attacked by the critters. Right. Uh, she has clarified this week that Aunt D is, in fact, Helen. Um, and it's a weird thing. She speculates that maybe there was a, a, a rights issue that they couldn't oh. get over and they couldn't use that character. However, her character is, for, for all intents and purposes, supposed to be the same uh, character okay. basically like her whole family's dead because of the critters and she basically became a badass bounty hunter right on i mean if my whole family got killed and my mom survived i would expect her to become a badass bounty hunter exactly and dress like dog and i could totally the see, bounty hunter i could totally see barb <laughs> doing that too right yeah um so that's just cool critters attack is coming out pretty soon here um we'll see how it is yeah i want to do a critters retrospective still Yes. And now there are two new movies that have been out, or at least the TV show, streaming show, and this new movie. Why do I always feel like we already did a Critters episode? Nope, we were supposed to do Critters uh, during the Hellier episode, oh. but Hellier ran long, uh, yeah. and we didn't actually do Critters. Yep. So Good call. Um, let's see here. Moving on. What happens when you mix one of the greatest of all time comic villains? Villains? Villains. Villains. Vaudevillians. Um with one of the greatest of all time horror directors. You get a 40-page comic written by John Carpenter about the Joker. Yeah. Pretty fucking exciting. All right. Um, so this is pretty awesome. Uh, they're coming out with uh, with a new Joker comic that uh, is written by John Carpenter. And um, color me excited. No idea what it's about, but uh, he's co-writing it with a guy named uh, Anthony Birch, who also worked on Old Man Jack, which was the Big Trouble in Little China comic. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was well, very well received. Mm -hmm. So uh, this new Joker adaptation is coming out. Uh, if you're a fan of those two worlds, you should probably check this out. Yeah. That comes out uh, October 9th. Cool. So uh, that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, trick or treat. Smell my feet. Give me something good to eat good to buy at spirit halloween all right <laughs> so if you if you need a life-sized animatronic sam doll in your life i do yeah spirit halloween has you covered oh neat got you covered <laughs> uh they are they they have for sale this year for this halloween season uh will set you back 170 dollars oh no small price to pay but you can get for that amount i i want it to actually kill people though well it could because okay. uh this sam stands at four foot tall okay uh it moves its arm in a stabbing motion so you could put like a real knife in its arm <laughs> uh it also moves its torso from side to side all while laughing and playing music from the movie oh cool i'm that just gonna put it i'm just gonna put it in the bedroom <laughs> and have it hold on to random objects <laughs> And just see <laughs> see how much money I can make on like those streaming services. <laughs> Have it hold on to a dildo <laughs> and then invite a lady over. 
Let let me introduce you to Sam. You took it too far, James. <laughs> no, you took I didn't. it too far. I took it just far yeah, enough. Mm-hmm, that depends on who you ask. <laughs> who you have over. Um <laughs> uh, then, no, let's get to some blues. <laughs> Alright. Let's get to some blues. Alright. I'm gonna try and burn through these quick because there's quite a few here. Do and it. we need to move on. So Bloodline, directed by Henry Jacobson and starring Sean William Scott as a man who will do whatever it takes to keep anyone from coming between coming between him and his family will hit VOD as well as limited number of theaters on September 20th. Cool. Courtesy of Momentum Pictures. Also from Momentum Pictures and also arriving on VOD and in a limited number of theaters on September 13th is Haunt, the new horror thriller by the duo who penned A Quiet Place. Oh, awesome. Uh, Haunt finds a group of friends out looking for a good scare on Halloween, but they enter an extreme haunt. Uh, and find out that the nightmare may be all too real. Uh, this one I'm pretty excited about. Warner Archive Collection has announced the Blu-ray DVD release of Nicholas Roeg's 1990 adaptation of Roald Dahl's novel The Witches, starring Angelica Houston I've as the Grand the High Witch. What? I've never seen it. Come on, man. Sorry. Uh, this marks the film's Blu-ray debut, which will uh, come with a new HD, HD master. There's no release date for that yet, so uh, stay tuned for that announcement. Okay. This summer's giant monster extravaganza, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, will be hitting digital on August 6th and DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K Ultra HD on August 27th. Nice. The 4K combo pack, Blu-ray combo pack, and DVD special edition is hitting shelves courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment and will be loaded with special features including director commentary, deleted scenes, interviews with cast and crew, featurettes, and more. Are they going to interview Godzilla? Yeah, probably. That's and, a bad Godzilla. And, and Mothra. <laughs> and Rodan. <laughs> they all speak the same language. Yeah, well, duh. They're, they're all monsters. Um, Disney's 1970, 1979 sci-fi epic The Black Hole will be hitting Blu-ray for the first time sometime in August. I've seen that documentary. My- <laughs> Much to the delight of many fans who have been asking for this release for years, however... If you want to get your hands on this re- release, you will have to be a member of the Disney Movie Club. Roommate Jen is. Oh, well, there so you there go. go. Is, it, is uh, it exclusively through that? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you got to be a member in order to get it. I'm that. I've never seen The Black Hole. I've heard really good things about it, though. Yeah, I haven't either. It was uh, Disney's, if I'm not mistaken, it was Disney's first PG-rated movie. Yeah, it was their attempt at breaking into like a different market mm-hmm. at that point. Um, there was a movie that came out at the same time, like right before it, mm-hmm. that Disney was trying to capitalize on like the success of that genre. Mm-hmm. I forget what movie it is. That'll be a correction for next week. Hmm. I'll look into it. But there was a reason that Black Hole was came out. Was it the out. cat from outer space? It was not the cat <laughs> from outer space. All right. Uh, so moving on here. Universal Pictures <laughs> and Blumhouse's Ma... Has re- has a release date of August twentieth on digital and September Ma. Ma and September third for blue DVD and VOD. Ma stars Octavia Spencer in the title role and a huge cast of well-known teenagers who I have never heard of, and will come with a new alternate ending as well as many scenes that were teased in the original trailer uh, but were not present in the theatrical release. Mm. Uh, Semper Fi, motherfuckers, right? Doom. Because Doom, Doom Annihilation will be hitting shelves on Blue and DVD October 1st via Universal no... 1440 Entertainment. I know that the Semper Fi motherfuckers is from the original Doom. I was going to say, but... too bad The Rock's not in it. I was gonna too say. bad. But still, I mean, I'll take really any... It's true. It's I'll true. take any excuse I can to say that, so... It's true. I just did it. 
Uh, last but not least, Severin Films has added two more titles to their release schedule. First up is Wax Mask, a film about gruesome murders occurring at a Paris wax museum. And the Ital- Italian reptilian version of Jaws called Killer Crocodile, about a killer crocodile, duh, which is a byproduct of toxic waste spilling. I'm fairly certain that uh, my buddy Chris Jordan actually pre-ordered this already. Oh, he did? I'm pretty sure. Cool. He sent uh, he sent me a text about it, mm-hmm. I, so I'm assuming he did. Yeah. Maybe he didn't, but he should, because yeah. it looks awesome. Sure. I, I agree. Uh, those both those titles hit shelves on August 27th, and that's your blues for the week. So on the heels of my news about uh, Sam from Trick or Treat at uh, Spirit Halloween, um, if you're into dolls, Spirit Halloween. If you're into dolls and doll play, yeah, um, I, I am. There's I uh, am. there's two more dolls that you can get your hands on. Um, this uh, this this coming when it, when does it come out? I don't even know. Uh, their, names, February their names are James and Mike. February 2020. <laughs> uh, so you gotta wait a little bit. But uh, NECA, the uh, the awesome uh, uh, action figure company, of course, uh, figure company, uh, they are putting out life-sized, screen-accurate replicas of Chucky and Tiffany. What? From cool. the Chucky series. Nice. Um, they are uh, both based on the Bride of Chucky uh, line, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually already have a Bride of Chucky. Chucky doll. You do, yeah. But these ones, I guess, are going to be a little bit taller, I guess. I don't know. They're 30 inches tall, which sounds actually kind of like mine. I already have one of these. <laughs> Why are they re-releasing them? It's probably... It wasn't made by NECA, but shit. It's probably... Um, it's going to... Yeah, it's a NECA doll, so it's going to be way more... Uh, I don't know. Like, way more detailed. Because way it more expensive. Be. <laughs> How much are they? Uh, if you want one of these dolls, again, they're going to be available February 2020. Um, it's going to send you back... T- take a wild guess. What do you think they're going to send you back? Um... I would say 179. Higher? North. Higher? North. Uh, 249. North. Jeez, 349. North. 550. South. <laughs> 500. $449.95 per doll. My God. They, That's they, an expensive and, ass doll. And honestly, God, I don't like them. If you, you look don't. at this, look at this, you look don't. at the screen cap of Chuck here. He's got a very elongated neck, which I think looks really weird. Mm. He looks like a giraffe. I don't know, man. He's looks... like Jeffrey the homicidal Chucky giraffe. That's that's what he looks like. <laughs> I I see what you're saying, but I feel like eh, no, you don't think so. It's pretty damn accurate to the. They look good. They do look great. I'll yeah. give them that. But is uh, there a picture of Tiffany too? Um, yes, right there. Yeah, Tiffany looks great. Oh hell yeah! Tiffany looks look legit from the movies. Total um, bombshell. I mean, that's a doll. What? 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 <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. A dilf. <laughs> <laughs> dilf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, though, so if you want those and you have a crap ton of disposable income, there you go. There you go. Um, the last piece of news, which is actually pretty cool because this is a road trip that we'd love to take. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're a fan of the Conjuring movies, uh, Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren, or just spooky stuff in general, you may be thrilled to hear that the house in which the Conjuring is set, originally investigated by the Warrens, has been purchased with the intent on fixing it up and opening it to the public. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know the, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the, the the history of the house, the Warrens investigated it back in 1971 after the Perrin family was haunted by the spirit of a woman named Bathsheba Sherman. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the Rhode Island farmhouse is said to still be haunted by the new owners. Yeah, there's. I've looked sure, into this a sure. lot. It's, yeah. Say what you will about it. Still cool. This is still going to be like a 
hot spot for oh, for yeah. haunted tourism, hundred yeah. percent. And I would love to go. Hell, yeah, you know they they claim that it's still haunted and all that stuff. And and you know what? They go, oh, doors have opened and shut, and you can hear this and that and blah mm-hmm. blah. And let's be honest, Bathsheba Sherman is the coolest name on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if she ends up being like Casper, like super nice. <laughs> I want to meet her. Bathsheba Sherman, the friendly ghost. <laughs> doesn't, have the, doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> really doesn't. Uh, anyway, though, so if, yeah, if you're interested in that, though, uh, get your ass to Rhode Island. Do and, it. And um, there you go. Also, just go to Rhode Island anyway. It's yeah. a lovely place. Yeah. It's the best island in the United States. Yeah, probably. With oh, <laughs> no, there's Hawaii, dude. <laughs> Rhode Island's, I don't think, an island. Either. Isn't it? I don't well, believe it's so. It's called Rhode Island for a reason. Well, I'm sure there's roads in it. <laughs> Still an island. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jay. Yes, sir. Hit me with something, man. You want to get some uh, some stupid fact of the days up in this biatch? Yes, I do. do. All right. No, so, I do. So, a little bit of price going on today. So, I got some five facts that you may or may not know. Five facts. Five facts. Five. So, Holy I'll try smokes. to breeze through them. All right. Uh, in 1990, Price was asked by Walt Disney to lend his voice for the Phantom in their new ride, Phantom Manor for the forthcoming Euro Disneyland that opened in 1992. Mm-hmm. There you go. Fact number two, his voiceover can be heard on Alice Cooper's first solo album, Welcome to My Nightmare, and he also had, um, he also come in the consequent TV special, Alice Cooper, The Nightmare. Cool. Fact three, in the early 70s, for a year he starred on a daily radio show, Tales of the Unexplained. Oh, I almost used good. I almost used the intro to that for our episode. Oh, I was looking okay. for a really cool Vincent Price like monologue thing. Yeah. Almost did. Cool. And uh, number four, <laughs> shut up, and I'm going to keep saying facts, Michael, all right? So number four, he made a guest TV appearance on The Brady Bunch as a deranged archaeologist. Okay. And Sounds the last right. but not least, number five, in 1976, he had uh, he came as a feature guest on the, epi- on the episode of The Muppet Show. Nice. Oh, I've actually seen uh, scenes from that. That's pretty, yeah. I, I don't know if I remember. It sounds familiar, but I can't... Uh, pinpoint if i remember it or not yeah i remember seeing stuff about that that's cool though i wish they would have made like a horror movie version of the muppets that would have been really cool they did like, it's, a, sco- it, like a scooby-doo-ish sort of muppet movie yeah it's coming up it's called the uh what the hell is that oh the, <laughs> the chuck e cheese movie yeah, that's yeah. coming up whatever the hell it is yep that one we all know what you're talking about all right cool thanks jay yeah and that is our news, so we will wrap it up with our standard boom! That was the news. I thought you, I thought you weren't going to give it to us at first. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, all right, cool. We're going to take a minuscule break, and when we come back, we're, uh, we're going to dig into a couple of Vincent Price movies that, um, I'll be honest with you, I liked them. <laughs> Thanks for your opinion. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. back and um, I'll be honest with you I am not as well versed in Vincent Price as I should be 
Yeah. You know, when I was uh, when I was a kid, um, old horror movies were very difficult for me to get through. Any actually, any old movies were very difficult for me to get through. Uh, black and white movies, I, I could not do them. It's because like of, of that attention deficit. Probably, yeah. Mm. And a lot of older movies too, though they they can be construed as boring yeah. if you're not, especially if you're not in the right mood to watch them. Right. And when I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I they just never grasped my interest. Right. You know, I was always way more gravitated towards the newer school style of horror. Mm-hmm. So I did not grow up watching old Vincent Price or old, you know, um, Boris Karloff, Boris Karloff, all the classics. Bologosi, I actually missed yeah. out on all the classics. I'm I'm having to go back now in my adult age and actually rewatch a lot of those movies that a lot of people grew up watching. Mm-hmm. I did not. Yeah, you did. I did, yeah. On, on at least some of them, because you were familiar with with more Vincent Price than I was. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows Vincent Price. Like everybody knows who he is. He's, mm-hmm. he's iconic. He's a staple, not only in horror cinema but in cinema in general. Right. You know, it's like even if you've never seen Gone with the Wind, you know about Gone with the Wind or Casablanca. Right. Vincent Price is one of those names that you just know. Right. You know. Um, so I was very I was very excited to actually watch these two movies because uh, one of them was one that I had always wanted to watch, and then the other was one that you recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so you were gonna say something about him? No, I I, I just I, I told you while we were watching uh, the Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah. Like you said, you said, man, like I've, I I I never used to be able to watch movies like this. Now, and, and I said, this just reminds me of growing up because I used to watch stuff like this with my grandparents. Sure. Like they would, they, like. Um, Local channels would always, you know, like not PBS, but you know what I mean. Like the the, sure, the local sure. channels would always run these old horror movies, and they used to let me watch them because they're not really that terrifying no, not for a child, not you know. Either. So even the ones that were considered terrifying back in the day are nothing. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> come on. But um. But yeah. that that being said, there is there is like some imagery in these in these old films that kind of kind of gets you like they're i like the very end of uh the pit and the pendulum like the very last thing that you see on screen mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of chilling uh chilling yes but in like the fun way yeah i think at least yeah well it's, yeah and it's not like horrifying like oh my god i'm gonna have nightmares for days about this no, but it's, like it's oh my god that was real kooky <laughs> <laughs> you know like uh, it's like kind of the way the adams family was scary mm-hmm. in, in a certain way i guess i don't know um Watching these two movies, and uh, this week we watched uh, The Pit and the Pendulum mm-hmm. from 1961 and also The Raven from 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did we realize that these two movies were so closely related in yeah. almost every single way. Right. Um, so that was just kind of a happy accident. But um, the fact that they were, they, they were both Poe movies, or mm-hmm. Poe po adaptations, adaptations, they were both directed by Roger Corman, they yeah. were both written by um, Richard Matheson. Uh, which is he's a huge a huge writer mm-hmm. uh, in the in the cinema world. Um, like they, they kind of they, just, they worked together. I, I thought it was good, but they couldn't have been more different, but more the same. <laughs> like it's a really weird. thing. Yeah, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I definitely get what you're saying. Like I, there's I, the uh, it, well, it's funny. Like the atmosphere of the two movies is very different because one of them is very comical. Well, but also the atmospheres are identical. You're right. You're right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just, they're so weird. You're dealing with Roger Corman, mm-hmm. the king of low budget 
for all intents and purposes, lowbrow filmmaking right. <laughs> back at that time. You know, so they reused a lot of sets. They reused a lot of the same imagery. They, they, you know, for static shots or not static shots, but like a B footage, B roll. Yeah, they would use a lot of the same stuff. The movies opened the same way. They yeah, both that had, same like they both opened like, with that same weird like it was like it was like oil like, and water with food coloring. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. They both had water coming up on the rocks in the beginning. Yeah, um, which I'm pretty sure they stole from each other. Uh, well, not not from each other, but um, like the Raven, actual Raven took from Pit and the Pendulum, maybe. right? Or at least it was the same like time that they shot it. Yeah, maybe it was different yeah. takes. I don't know, but um, I don't know. They're just they're they're good though. Mm-hmm. They're good, and and Vincent Price, since we're since we're kind of focusing on him, mm-hmm. um, he reminds me a lot of a modern day. If he was were to have a bigger career than he did, he reminds me a lot of Bruce Campbell. He's he's sort of kooky. Mm-hmm. He's very tongue in cheek sometimes in his acting, especially when it's more of a comedic thing. Yeah. Yet when he needs to act serious, he quote unquote can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true though. Like Vincent Price, Vincent Price was the best at acting like Vincent Price. It's yeah, the best uh, way that I can put it. Yeah. Because nobody else was like him. Well, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, uh, he he's not really a character actor. He he acts exactly yeah, like you said. He's no, just he is. He's just he plays the character of, of Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. Yeah, like <laughs> same way like Bruce Campbell plays the character of Bruce Campbell and nobody else. Yeah, like th- there's like, just a wa- lot of similarities. Like, watching the two. these two movies back to back, I just uh, like one of the things I really pick up on is um, kind of the kind of the the use of his uh, the use of like his. Of his brow and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like he makes he makes very similar faces all the time, but it, it's not like it's not really corny. It's like he he knew he knew exactly how to give the right look at any point in time in the film, and they kind of they were kind of like kitschy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, because it was Vincent Price, it just worked so well. I don't know if he did a lot of it, but the way that he acts was very similar to the way that stage actors act, where mm-hmm. they over-enunce things and they over-project certain things. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of that. I don't know that he did a lot of stage acting. Um, I don't believe he did. That, <laughs> again, could be a correction. I don't believe he did, though. But he does have a lot of those same mannerisms, because when you're on stage, you have to over-remote mm-hmm. so that everybody can see it. Right. And that's what I get a lot from his his portrayals a lot in, in at least these two movies. Yeah, because even when you look at him, uh, especially in... Uh, the second movie, uh, The Raven, yeah, which was the 1963 movie, right? You had him with um, Boris Karloff, uh, uh, Peter Lorre, um, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, super young Jack Nicholson, right, right. Which I didn't even, and we'll get into this when we talk about the movie. Yeah. I had no idea that was even Jack Nicholson <laughs> until the end credits. I'm like. Wait, Jack? What? I, was gonna say, I, I actually went back and rewatched the original scenes. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. that's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and we'll talk about it later. But there yep. was like one specific line that he said in the movie where I was like, oh my god, that's Jack Nicholson. But once you realize it's him, it's once like, you realize oh, it's, it's, it, sure, yeah, sure. it's like you can't mistake it. Um, but in in uh, in the uh, in the Raven, like he he's still doing that sort of like uh, that very emotive. Like overacting, kind of. But it was also very every- much tongue in cheek, though. That role. well, sure, sure. But everybody else is playing kind of straight. Like, uh, like especially Boris Karloff. He he was really kind of playing it straight. But 
so it was kind of a cool juxtaposition between the the two of them mm-hmm. in that movie. Sure. Um, but let's let's yeah, let's, so let's start in on uh, on the pit and the pendulum. Yeah. So this movie came first. So uh, this is from 1961. Um, uh, again, directed by Roger Corman. Right. Uh, written by, like we said, Richard Matheson. If and if you don't know the name, Richard Matheson also wrote Jaws 3D. Mm-hmm. Come on, uh, he wrote 14 <laughs> episodes of the original Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. which I think is what he's best known for. Was his contribu- uh, contributions to the Twilight Zone? Oh, okay. Um, he also wrote the novels that the movie Stir of Echoes and I Am Legend are based on. Mm. So um, yeah, so he's he's this guy. He's been around. He's done a lot. Um, he's done some stuff. He's done some stuff. Um, so in sixteen in the sixteenth century, Francis Bernard travels to Spain to clarify the strange circumstances of his sister's death after she had married the son of a cruel Spanish inquisitor. So if you're familiar with Poe at all, which I am, I really like Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe. This movie is a it's a very loose adaptation. Actually, both both both, both, both of these <laughs> movies are very loose adaptations of of uh, what you would read in a in in the Poe stories. Sure, sure. Which I understand, you know, like just to craft more of a narrative, like because Pit and the Pendulum, if you were, I would actually like to see somebody do this. I don't know if anybody has, but if you were going to make a Pit and the Pendulum adaptation straightforward, like Poe wrote it, it would all take place in one room. Sure. Like maybe you could do some flashback stuff. Well, you were explaining to me that the, the original Poe story is basically a guy wakes up in the pit. Right. So I've never actually I've, read. I haven't it, so. read it in a long time, but yeah, I think it's essentially like yeah, he he wakes up, he's already there. Okay. And he has no idea why he's there, who put him there, or anything like that, and then everything happens to him. And well, in this particular movie, it, again, it's very very different. Um, basically, you have uh, uh, Vincent Price who plays uh, Nicholas Medina. Also plays his father Sebastian. He plays Don Don Medina. Don Medina, uh, and uh, Don Medina is married to uh, a girl named, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe not. Well, yeah, I guess not. Uh, um, uh, Elizabeth. Yes. Elizabeth Bernard Medina. No, no, no. Wait, no, no. Uh, no uh, Elizabeth. No, Elizabeth that's was his sister. Yep. He was Catherine. married to a girl named Catherine. Catherine. Right. Um, yeah. So, so Vincent Price's character uh, Don Medina was married to Catherine. Catherine dies of uh, mysterious circumstances. Right. Her husband shows up at the house. Her brother. Or sorry, her brother. <laughs> God, shows up at the house and basically is like, I need to understand what happened to my sister. Right. I don't believe a word of what you people are saying. So which, I'm going to stay here, which I feel is completely rational. So <laughs> like they're yep, they're like yep. they're like they're kind of trying to play it off like like oh she died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, that's all we want to tell you. So go away now. And he's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to stay and find out why my sister died. I'm going to barge into your home and I'm going to stay here until I get the answers that I want. You know what's weird about this uh, this time period and like. You read you read old stories like this and and see movies from this time period and the idea of just sort of inviting yourself to somebody's house and staying for a while was pretty. It seemed like it was pretty common. Well, it seems like well back then it took a long time to travel. Sure. So if you made the the travel to get somewhere, you're not going to kick somebody out on the street. Right. And for the most part, people were willing to yeah oh yeah come on in you can stay for as long as you need sure, to sure. which is like I like probably like a week or two weeks if like, not more. Like I don't even time. I don't even like when you come to my house. Period. So for you don't? no, <laughs> so for me to say hey come stay as long as you need to. News to me. Yeah, but I guess uh, I guess it makes sense when your you wife have... likes it. Shut it. 
I guess when you have a giant castle, you know, that's it's true. like, oh you yeah, have rooms to spare. Yeah, come on in. I have, I literally have seventy five rooms in this place. I like, you could probably stay here for a month and I'll never see you. So come on in. That's true. Speaking of the castles, mm-hmm. uh, both of these movies uh, sported some awesome, awesome, awesome set design. Definitely. Um, and that's actually my favorite part of these old movies. Yeah. Is I love I love these old movies where you know you can tell by looking at it that it was designed on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. There is a certain charm to that. Yeah. That nowadays, if you were to do the same thing, it wouldn't look near as good. Right. I, I don't know if it was because of the way that it was shot, the cameras they used, the different sets, the material. I don't know what it is about it. Mm-hmm. But movies from this time period, the fifties and sixties, even a little bit before then, mm-hmm. you know the the. The way that they designed these sets are sort of genius. You know, between between the actual physical set design, the like backlit projection, mm-hmm. they would put like glass plates on the screen. Like there's all these different weird techniques they would use right. to basically bring these places to life right. on a soundstage somewhere. Is it's so mind-boggling to me that it worked out as well as it did. Yeah. Because I, I feel like in theory it just shouldn't look that well. Yeah. Like when they're they're well, walking through a forest and you know that forest was made on a soundstage somewhere and it looks fake, yet you don't care. I feel, it still looks awesome. I feel like with old movies like this, you almost, uh, you kind of get, I, I, you definitely get sucked into it, but it almost feels like you're watching a, a stage production more maybe that's, than maybe that's what it is. And yeah. so and so because you know, like you go you go see a play and they've got these really big beautiful set pieces that mm-hmm. are all completely handmade by a bunch of really talented people, and you just allow yourself to kind of get uh, enveloped in in that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you could pull back at any point in time and be like, oh yeah, like like I can tell that I can tell that 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 backdrop of a castle behind you is just a, a facade. It's just a a giant piece of foam that they've carved to make it look like bricks, but but, it, you, but you let yourself yeah. get sucked into it. And I feel like old movies like this really did that. Yeah, well, they I think they were even better than that, though, a lot of times. Oh, like, sure, you know, yeah. The castles look legitimately like castles. Oh, yeah. Especially in The Raven, and we'll get there. I love that yeah. side design of The mm-hmm. Raven. So but, cool. um but the bit in the pendulum had great set design as well. Like it's you know the old castles and like Dracula and like all those older movies. Like they just all look so good. Yeah. And this is absolutely no exception. Um, so the brother stays there. Um, Don Medina, you know, claims that he can hear the harpsichord being played by Elizabeth and all this. Thing. And he's like, he's uh, acting Catherine. by Catherine. Yeah. And 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 he's so like beside himself or whatever. And he's like this this super. I don't know even know what the word is for it. Like he's just like totally out of his element after his his wife died. Like he's he yeah, just doesn't a, it, want to talk it, about it. It he's seems like, like he's like just on the brink of madness. Sort of, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very overplayed like though, his, but he's, he's very he's always his eyes are always really wide and like the way he looks around almost seems like he's it's it, it's almost like he's always hearing something over his shoulder. So yeah. he's kind of like almost paranoid and, in a way. And also in a constant state of mourning right, as well. Right. And out of the two movies, this is definitely the way more serious role that yeah. Vincent Price played. Yeah, for sure. Um, which uh, which you heard in the uh, the intro, mm-hmm. which was his like going crazy at the end of the movie, like kind of becoming the, the Spanish conquistador that his father was. Do you know where you are, Bartolome? Yeah, and it was so good, like watching watching Vincent Price come alive at the end of this movie after watching mm. a very subdued version of the character yeah. was like watching fireworks. Like, it was yeah. so good because he's so good. 
And there's a there's a couple parts in this movie, like going back to uh, stuff being really frightening. I can see where some of the imagery in this movie would have been very frightening uh, to generations before us. Um, first of all, when they, they do the flashback, they do this really weird. Uh, I don't know what they did with the exposure of yeah, the film, we were, but it's all in it's all in blue and pink. We talked about is, this when we were watching it. Like, I wonder what the chemical. Uh, like obviously, they put the film through some weird chemicals or right. something to like weirdly expose the film. Yeah, so it's all blue and pink and like really kind of acid trippy looking. But and it like, worked. I say that as if I've ever done acid. I haven't. But <laughs> I, I imagine this is what an acid trip looks like. And it's all overexposed. Like it's um, it, it's almost like you can't even see what's going on in screen, which makes it even more. But you can though. Disheartening. Like it's weird. It's you hard see, to like, see rough outlines. Of but you stuff still going understand on. everything that's going on right. on the screen in front of you. But then there's that point where because he uh, so this, at this point this is his he's this is a flashback and he's talking about his father. Or rather, this is Elizabeth, I think, explaining how uh, explaining how he witnessed his father murder his mother and yeah. his brother because they were uh, committing adultery with each other. And um, it, that whole like that blue and pink flashback thing is going on, but then all of a sudden there's a there's a point where it turns. And then it's all just red. Mm-hmm. It's all like red and black. But that's usually you only see, when he's like killing somebody, though. Well, yeah, you see, you, in that moment, you see Vincent Price, which at this point he's playing his father, Sebastian. Sebastian. And he's like, he's showing them his torture chamber because he's this old Spanish inquisitor. Ooh, come see where I torture people. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he says something like, uh, he's like, he's heating up a hot poker or something like that. And then he takes it out and he just bashes his brother across the face with it uh-huh. and the whole screen goes red and that part actually is like i'm i can see we're back, back in, in the, the day, day like yeah, that sure. would have been kind of frightening you know I, what i mean i think that we're so desensitized oh, to yeah. violence because of the horror movies of today definitely and the craziness that you watch these old movies and you're not it, it's it's you don't get the same effect that it had back then it's very similar to when we saw Jaws in a theater. Mm-hmm. You know, Jaws nowadays is tame, mm-hmm. absolutely tame. Um, however, when we saw it, or when, when when audiences saw it back in the seventies, it was crazy. Like this was crazy. People were freaked out by it. They were yeah. screaming. And when we saw it in a theater, people reacted that way. Yeah. And I'm so happy that was the first time that I saw Jaws like that it because awesome. I actually got the full effect of how people reacted to it while it when it came out right and i feel like watching a movie like that could do movies like this justice if people actually reacted that way mm-hmm. um because you just don't get that these days right you know it's a different time it's a different look you know it's it just those types of jumps don't really do anything anymore mm. to today's audiences right so it's kind of cool to see these old movies and like see how things were and appreciate them for what they were mm-hmm. i love that um during that that flashback sequence did the woman put herself in an Iron Maiden. That's kind of what it seemed like. So uh, the, I'm going to hide in this giant steel coffin with spikes. Oh, I'm dead. I don't. I don't know if she was even. <laughs> I don't even know if she's hiding. Like it was. It so. Um, uh, Vincent Price, Nicholas Medina. At this point, his um, his wife Catherine became like almost. Almost, there was almost like a, a like a, a malevolence in this castle that kind of took over, and mm-hmm. she became sick with it, and like 
and she became obsessed with this torture chamber that Nicholas had showed to her. And he would often find her just like down there, just looking at the, like looking at all the torture implements Mm -hmm. and, and, and talking to herself and stuff. And then one night he hears a scream, this blood curdling scream and he goes looking for her and he finds her down in the torture chamber inside the iron maiden. Sure. And I don't like, I don't think it was that she was trying to hide. I think there was just like this sick fascination with this whole room in general that she, well, it was almost like, whatever it, the it decision was almost like was, it pulled her in. You know what I mean? Whatever the decision was, it really backfired on her. Yeah, it sure. Did. Really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost uh, backfired to the point of, uh, the, their, their medical guy, their doctor, if you will, mm-hmm. um, buried her alive. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the moral of the story here is they thought she was dead. He's the worst doctor ever because mm-hmm. he does this twice in the movie thinking that someone's dead. And, um, and yeah, they ended up burying her alive. Well, that's the impression that you get anyway. Well, that's how I took it. That- well, they didn't actually. She was alive at the end of the movie. Remember? Do you not remember this? She was alive? Yeah, it's funny how this and, and the Raven were actually very similar in that way. Okay. She was alive, and she had convinced... They had convinced Nicholas that she was dead and buried alive, because that was, like, his fear that she was buried alive. So they yeah. they went and exhumed the body, and they mm-hmm. found out, like, she had her hands up by her face, like yeah, she had yeah. been screaming. But then at the end of the movie, she comes back. But he thinks it's the ghost of her. But it turns oh, out yes. that it's actually her. And her and the doctor had planned this whole thing because they wanted to be together. And so history repeats itself because, uh, like in the beginning, when you had Se- Sebastian Medina and his wife and his brother, Bart- Bartolome, mm-hmm. they were cheating with each other. And he ended yes, up killing the yes, two of right. them. He ended up uh, killing, kind of kind of killing... Uh, the doctor and his wife because it turned out that they had actually like formulated this plot to basically just drive him completely insane so that they could be together such a dick move like don't drive the guy insane just like run away if you want to you're a doctor you got money you're absolutely (laughs) right how this movie and the raven are so similar because i think that's what i was thinking i was thinking of the raven right and when, especially when you watch these movies back to back the way that I did, they really just blur together a little mm-hmm. bit because they're so similar. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly similar. The one difference is, though, is that um, uh, uh, this, uh, his wife's name, what was her name? Catherine. Catherine. Catherine, um, she could easily play Michael Jackson in like a Michael Jackson <laughs> documentary. She looks exactly like him. She does. Like to a T. Uh, which was disconcerting. To say oh wait, this. hold on. We've been saying this wrong the entire time. What's that? Elizabeth was his wife. Elizabeth is. Yeah, we yeah. we've been saying this wrong the entire yeah, time. I, yeah, no, I said that at first. You, you did, and then me. I corrected you, and then you I was wrong. Dumbass. I'm sorry. Catherine was his sister. Elizabeth was his his wife. Yeah. So Elizabeth yeah. looked exactly like Michael Jackson. She does. Disconcerting. Like so. to a to a creepy degree. It's yeah, very it's, weird. It is absolutely weird. Um, there was a scene where when you when you finally see that she is still alive actually she comes out of the coffin mm-hmm. and the only thing that i could think of in my head was the scene from in evil dead 2 
when Linda rises out of the coffin when she's like a marionette and she's dancing outside of the cabin mm-hmm. and that music that plays. Oh yeah. It, it, for some reason, it reminded me of that a lot. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, oh, that'd be perfect with that music over it. And that was that was another <laughs> so cool. That was another actual like actual creepy part of this movie when she rose out of the coffin. That was creepy. And I'll give you that. She's kind of in the shadows, so you only see her silhouette, but like her silhouette will gradually move toward him. That mm-hmm. was kind of it was frightening. Yeah, like, I yeah. can see where that would give you some nightmares. Especially back in the day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, it's it's so funny. So this movie revolves a lot around the whole Spanish Inquisition. And, um, the Spanish Inquisition. Did you ever go to Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum? I didn't, know. Okay, so I've been there. It's still open, right? It's still open. Marvin, unfortunately, passed away. Yeah. But it's, it's still open to the best of my knowledge. They had a game there that was all about the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a game. That's as, tasteful. <laughs> it wasn't a game as much as it was a moving diorama. Yeah. Where you put a quarter in and you just watched a whole bunch of Spaniards torture people. <laughs> That's literally all it was. Um, the little like little tiny like figurines, like putting hot pokers into people and like cutting their heads off. <laughs> like sounds pretty all the right. Weirdest thing on the face <laughs> of the earth. I spent a lot of money on that machine. Um, but like I'm watching this movie and like, whenever I think of Spanish Inquisition, that's all I think of is that stupid little diorama thing from from Marvin's. Not Monty Python. Not my, I've never actually seen Monty <laughs> oh, Python all the way through. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So to round the movie out, uh, eventually she becomes alive. Vincent Price goes insane. Yes, becomes his father basically yeah. and tortures the fuck out of his wife's brother. Uh, his wife. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because he <laughs> You're mixing again. He chases the doctor. The doctor yeah. falls into the pit, and then he ends up. Yeah, for for this movie being called the pit and the pendulum, you don't actually see the pit or the pendulum until the last five minutes Worth of the movie. It, though. Worth it though. Oh it's yeah, a good totally. climax. Yeah, definitely it's a great climax. I mean, I've had better, but it was a great climax. <laughs> um, and 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 so uh, I I just to just to kind of end this, I said that there was a part at the end of the movie that I found kind of chilling. Sure. Um, earlier in the movie, there's a, a line that he says where he closes the door to his wife's bedroom after like some weird haunted, haunted kind of thing had just happened. And he closes the door and locks it, and he says, no one will ever set foot in this room again. And then Oh, at, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. At the end of the movie, you have uh, Doña Medina left uh-huh. and, uh, and, and the brother um, and one other person. I think it's the, the butler guy. Yep. And um, Nicholas and the doctor have both fallen into the pit. They're both dead. And you never really saw what happened to Catherine. The sister. Right. right? Yeah. Who is, as we said, actually alive. Don Medina's sister. Right. No. Yes. No. Don, Don Medina's sister is still alive. She's the one who delivers the line at the end of the movie. His his wife, Catherine, who had been plotting with Yes. The, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So you never really saw what happened to her. And then the three of them go to leave at the end and they're they're walking out of the torture chamber and um his Donya Medina turns around and says nobody will ever set foot in this room again and they walk out and lock the they close the door behind them and lock it and then it pans down to uh the wife inside the iron maiden kind just of like very 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 much a callback to yeah the girl in the beginning so yeah. like she's going to she's going to die inside the iron maiden slowly which is that's, that's a terrifying that's chilling, death. yeah that's a terrifying death yeah totally you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that, that's pretty much all I have to say about the it's, pit and the it's, pendulum. It's good. I would actually very much recommend uh, people watching it. Oh yeah, it's for sure. It's really good. Yeah. You know, um, 
I feel as though telling people that, hey, here's a really good Vincent Price movie. I feel like everyone's going to be like, yeah, duh, it's Vincent <laughs> Price. Um, I, like I said, I was not exposed to a lot of these movies when I was a kid, though. So now, I'm, now that I'm rediscovering them, um, or discovering them for the first time, rather, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm loving them. Yeah. Now I'm going to watch all of them now. And we should say that we watched this one on glorious, stunning, glorious laser, laser disc. disc. And it looked good. Yeah, it did. It looked, it looked fantastic, it actually. It was really a really good, good transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on then to uh, 1963, two years later, we get uh, their adaptation of The Raven, which is a very... It's even more of a loose adaptation, I think, mm-hmm. than The Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah. Because it basically... Uh, it starts off by Vincent Price reading the poem, mm-hmm. and then there's a raven, and then that's it. That's, <laughs> Nothing else. That's it for a while. Outside until the, of the fact that he has a, a dead wife named Lenore, yeah. that's pretty much the <laughs> only thing that this movie relates to the original poem. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like it fills in it fills in the spaces between the stanzas of Edgar Allan Poe's um, poem. Yeah, with uh, just a, a bunch of stuff that could have, I guess, happened well, to the narrator. <laughs> it was very to the narrator. Yes, uh, this, the the big difference is there's a lot of similarities. Similarities. The the castle looks the same, mm-hmm. so the settings all look the same. Sure. Vincent Price has the same mustache and does not try to distinguish himself any different from the roles, in, at least between these two movies. He's he's not wearing the big frilly collar. He's not that's, wearing the big frilly the collar. That's thing. true. He's not Spanish in this one. That's why. Um, <laughs> Every the look of the movie, the feel of it, everything's the same. The big difference, though, is that this is more of a comedy. Yeah, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, sort of slapsticky sort of comedy, right? As opposed to Pit and the Pendulum, which was a little bit more straight-laced. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of liked it better for that reason. Mm. Like Pit and the Pendulum is is obviously the better of the two movies, right? But the Raven, there's something a little bit more, more enjoyable because yeah. it's kind of fun. Right. And uh, you also have an absolute all-star cast in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, so once again, it's directed by Roger Corman, written by Richard Matheson. However, you have Vincent Price as uh, Doctor Craven. Mm-hmm. I'm Why choosing such choosing... a Craven dog. <laughs> not, not again. <laughs> I'm choosing to believe that he's named after Wes Craven, even though it was way before his time. <laughs> uh, you have uh, Peter Laurie. As Doctor Bell uh, Bedlow, mm-hmm. Peter Lorre is another just prolific actor from that time. Oh, that's two two for two. Yes. Yeah. All uh, right, man. You have uh, you have the incomparable Boris Karloff, who uh, Frankenstein himself. And this uh, is which actually, this was one of the first movies he had done in a while. He this, had not done a lot of acting in a while. This is actually the second movie called The Raven that he was in. Oh, really? He was yeah, in the he, original and the. He, he was in he was in the original or I, I don't know if it's the original for sure but he was in one in 1935 35, with, yep. with Bela Lugosi. Yep, I think that the first I think that was the first adaptation of it. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I, that diff- could, that could different story though. I don't think it had anything to do with magicians like this one does. Yeah, you have uh, Hazel Court who played uh, Lenore Craven uh, who is uh, Dr. Craven's dead wife. Quotes Dead, dead wife. <laughs> uh, and then you have Olive Sturgis, who played Estelle Craven. <clears throat> fine. She was so good looking. <laughs> Pe- period piece, fine. <laughs> I, it, fox. Yeah, man. She was a fox, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then you have. Yeah, believe to, it or not, there was still beautiful women back in the in the sixties. <laughs> I, ch- I I choose not to believe it, but um, to round out the cast, you have of all people, Jack fucking Nicholson, mm-hmm. who plays. It's weird how Redford, many people. It's weird how low. many people have that same middle name. Fucking 
Yeah. It's popular. It was a popular name in, in the it's, 1960s. Isn't that That's, strange? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. This this was. Uh, did you? So this was this was one of his first roles. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the he had he had, he had been in a couple of movies and TV shows before this. Nothing big, obviously. I think mm-hmm. this is probably the first big thing that he did. Right. And a lot of those movies took place in the same year. So mm-hmm. this is like within the first year of his acting career mm-hmm. so very very early this was before little shop of no little shop of horrors was his first in 1960 okay. this movie was 1963 so just so to, still at the very very beginning of his career just to touch on this real quick like you said that you didn't realize this was jack nicholson until the credits at the end there was one there was one spot in the middle of the movie where he said a specific line and i go i go man that voice sounded really familiar and then i started to look at his face i was like oh my god it's jack nicholson yeah there i was, didn't even notice him there's a dinner scene where uh like some magic start basically a magic duel starts to happen and one of the guys um uh peter Lorre's character gets turned into raspberry jam by um by uh, I have a lot to say about that by <laughs> boris karloff's character and um Jack Nicholson's character goes to talk to Estelle, and he's he's saying he's and he saying, says, "Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" <laughs> hey, kid. <laughs> no, he says uh, he says I something to the effect of, "I noticed during dinner that he was making furtive hand gestures," <laughs> and I'm like, when he said fur- it's the cadence of his voice, when he said like that, yeah. when he said furtive hand gestures, hand I was like, gestures. "Whoa, <laughs> there's no way!" And then I looked at his face and I was like, "Ah." It's Jack Nicholson. Oh my God, he's got. He had, to be, he had to be like eighteen years old or something like Super that. Super young. Know. Yeah, had to have been. I'm not sure exactly how old he was, but um, stupid young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I like every character in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think they are all great. I think Boris Karloff stole the show. In my in my personal opinion, yeah, he stole the show. Definitely. He was so good. Yeah, I mean, no offense to Vincent Price or Peter Laurie, but like Peter Laurie. Was fantastic. He was almost annoying, mm. which was by design. In yeah, all fair, yeah, it wasn't yeah. his acting; it was yeah. by design. <laughs> he was just a lousy drunk who was, who wasn't that good at magic. Peter Laurie looks like a pug. Uh, I'm just putting that on on front street here. I'm going back to my that, that saying. Yeah, I don't. He I looks don't, like a pug. I don't necessarily. think His that's... eyes are super wide. They're kind of googly. Yeah, was, super round face. I was gonna say, come on, man, but like uh, like looking at his picture right now, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. <laughs> he looks like a pug. <laughs> it's very unfortunate by him, for him. It's funny to see um, Boris Karloff in. In a, in a role, I mean, I, I know that he's done tons of movies outside of Frankenstein, but everybody knows him as Frankenstein's sure. monster, you know. Um, when he, like, in this movie, when he walks up and stands next to Vincent Price, and Vincent Price stands, like, a head taller than he does. Yeah. It's just weird when you think of it, like, oh, Frankenstein's monster was this massive, he, hulking beast. He was on, he was beast. on huge, like, Yeah, he was on those shoes. giant platform like shoes. Like Gene but Simmons' it's just, shoes. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny to see him just, like, a, a normal-sized dude. But he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's well, He's great. so good. Now, when he was filming this movie, though, he was pretty much, like, he was old and crippled for the most part. But when you watch him, he's walking down the stairs at one point, and mm. he's really stiff. Mm-hmm. Guy could barely walk. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Vincent Price would say in an interview that, like, 
that there were some scenes at the very end where they're in chairs and they're hovering mm-hmm. and they had to be in like a full body harness and the whole thing. And they said that it was so uncomfortable for Boris Karloff because he was basically a crippled old man at this point. He couldn't yeah. move very much. It was very uncomfortable for him and all that stuff. Yeah, he still gave it his all. You know, I, like, yeah, I watched his... Uh, there was last Halloween they did uh, on PBS, they did... Uh, obviously, I watched a lot of PBS. <laughs> they uh, they did... Poor and don't have cable. Like a few, a f- <laughs> <laughs> I think three nights in a row they did. Um, they did spotlights on. They did one on Vincent Price, one on Boris Karloff, one on Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. and Boris Karloff. Not only just seeing what a great actor he was, but also what a great person he was. Sure. But also just how, like you're saying, how much he loved acting. Like he, there was toward the end of his career, he was in constant pain. Sure. And could barely move, but it's like he'd be in between shots. He'd be literally like kind of sort of. He would come alive. Yeah, like in in between shots, he'd be like just so in so much pain he could barely move. But as soon as the camera turned on, he would just give it his all, which is it, it's not crazy. To get, like, not to he get was very a, dedicated. Not to get on a side story here, but I'll, I'll be very quick about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to actually work on. Uh, sort of work on a Clint Eastwood movie um, years ago the movie Gran Torino they filmed it at uh, my, my work actually can I have your uh, autograph after this oh yeah <laughs> uh, the church in the beginning not, not because of that because of the old band he used up. to be in the church the church at the beginning uh, where his wife uh, had his, her funeral scene mm-hmm. the end spoilers where Clint Eastwood dies his funeral scene and there's Ooh, a couple man. things in the in the middle uh, they're all filmed actually at the church that I work at yeah. so I was like literally on set um I actually ate dinner with Clint Eastwood one time. He was like sitting behind me, but it was close enough. <laughs> I was gonna um, say, did you eat dinner with <laughs> with Clint, Clint Eastwood? Or he was or, within, he or, was within or in a, the proximity of Clint Eastwood. He was Eastwood. within a five foot proximity of me, okay. which is actually pretty. It's That's, still pretty cool. Um, point is though, Clint Eastwood, even at that time, he was like in his eighties. Oh yeah, he's ninety now. Jeez. Clo- or, or very close to 90. Is he? Um, and this was about 10 years ago-ish when they when they filmed Gran Torino. Mm-hmm. And he was, he's a frail old man, mm-hmm. you know? Yet you put the camera on him, fucker came alive. Like, his voice changed, his mannerisms changed, he walked better. Like, it was just weird. It was mm-hmm. like this weird transition between real-life Clint Eastwood and character Clint Eastwood. And it was just the, it was just the weirdest thing. Though. And, and exactly how you said about Boris Karloff, it was very, very similar. Right. You know, you put that camera on him, and they just, just come alive. alive yeah. It's 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 so weird and bizarre. So Clint Eastwood was born in 1930, so that would make him 89, right? I said almost 90 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, dude's still cranking it out, still directing and acting. But uh, anyway, I mean, back I mean, to the I mean, movie. he also talks to empty chairs. He does. He does do that. <laughs> do you remember that? I don't. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. It was during. It was during one of the. Uh, oh no, I do. No, 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 no. I do. One of the, I do, I do. Like for for an, like one during one of the elections, I think. Yep. Yep. I think it was I do back in that. the uh, Obama days. Um, okay, so back to the Raven though. Uh, Vincent Price uh, starts the movie off by basically uh, reading the the Raven poem, mm-hmm. and then suddenly he gets up and the slapstickiness starts right away. He gets up, knocks his head on a uh, <laughs> on a. A telescope, basically, yeah. um, that's by his window. And he sees this raven that's outside his window. And he goes, oh, do you want to come inside? I think you do. And he opens up the window, and the raven flies inside. And so he's talking to this raven. And out of nowhere, the raven starts talking back. Mm-hmm. In Peter Laurie's just weird, high-pitched voice. Which yeah, and I think then is it's, and sort then of it's perfect even, for it's it. It's even tuned up a little bit, too. So it's like... 
It's it's like this weird. It almost sounded robotic in a way. A little bit, but, but I guess but I it guess was perfectly the, fitting because it was supposed to be really off kilter. Yeah, and it worked. You yeah. know, um, the big. I think the biggest star of this whole movie is the actual Raven because they got a really well behaved, trained Raven mm-hmm. outside of the fact that apparently according to Jack Nicholson, it shit all over him all the time. Oh yeah. But well, he yeah, I guess he ended up having. Toward the end of the movie, he had the raven on his shoulder mm-hmm. for the majority of the movie because it was his dad. Yeah. Like the character was, when was it was dad, turned yeah. into raven form, it was his dad. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, like Vincent Price, like he, this this raven just starts talking to him and he's completely like mind fucked by this. <laughs> and the raven like wants wine and he brings a glass over and the raven puts his beak into the, it's like it's a drinking, it's a very well-trained raven uh-huh. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, but uh, you you come to find out that uh, Peter Lorre's character, Doctor Bedlow, got into a magic off, if you will, with the the head honcho of the uh, a magic off. A magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, they waved their magic wands to each other. They had a magic off. Um. I've played this game before. It's called Tummy Sticks. <laughs> oh, come on. Jesus. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, so so Peter Laurie's Dr. Bedlow uh, got into a magic off with Dr. Scarabus, who was played by Boris Karloff. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> they played Tummy Sticks, and uh, Peter Laurie lost. And uh, Doctor Scarabus turned him into a raven. Is basically that was like his punishment. Um, it's that's that's not even close to real life. <laughs> when you lose tummy sticks in real life, it's way worse. <laughs> We're not going there. We're not. I, I feel like you've lost tummy sticks a few times. Oh boy, I got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> so so Aldo Berbedlo rather uh, goes to. Dr. Craven, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Vincent Price, because right. he knows that, that that his character is uh, a big time magic. If anybody can, <laughs> he's big big time, he's magic. big time magic, big time. If anybody can fix me, though, it's going to be him. Yeah, so, and he, so he goes. And to he's him. also not part of the the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood, yeah. Because uh, all these other magi- apparently apparently wherever they are, does it say does it say where they are? It doesn't. Wherever these people live, Mississippi, Mississippi. <laughs> apparently, there's just this. There's this huge community of sorcerers. Yeah, yeah. And they're part of a brotherhood. Um, and now, so you find out, though, you couldn't find out that Vincent Price's Dr. Craven uh, should have been the next in line to be the Grand Master mm. because his father was the Grand Master. Mm-hmm. However, Dr. Scarabus took over that position, and, you know, Craven has never really wanted to become part of it. Right. He just wanted to do his own magic at his own time. However, he's like crazy good sorcery. Yeah. Like he has the force good sorcery. That is correct. Um, so they they end up going to Doctor Scarabus's castle. Sorry, <laughs> heavy handed. Uh, they end up going to Doctor Scarabus's castle to confront him mm-hmm. because Bedlow, even after he becomes a man again, no thanks or thanks to Craven, he wants to go prove himself, and so they well, go there. <clears throat> well, in the way he gets the way he gets um, Vincent Price's character to go back with him is they. They, uh, what the hell is, what, uh, what is Vincent Price's, Erasmus? Erasmus. Erasmus. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. he's grieving because his wife Lenore died yeah, the a whole, couple years ago. Yeah, the whole thing is and, that Lenore died and he's been mourning this entire time. Right, and Bedlow tells him, I saw that woman 
at Scarabus's castle, and he's like, oh, no, she's been dead for that two, bitch! two years. <laughs> and he's like, no, I swear I saw that woman. And, and so they go to confront Scarabus because now... Um, now Craven thinks that Scarabus has somehow stolen her soul mm-hmm. and is keeping it uh, hostage at his castle. Because, you know, magic. Because he's a ma- magician. In tow with them also is uh, Bedloe's son, who is Rexford, played by Jack Nicholson. Rexford. And then you also have Estelle, played by Al- uh, Olive Sturgis, mm-hmm. who is uh, Vincent Price's daughter. Yes. They are also in tow, so it's like the, the quad, the quadsome. Mm-hmm. They go to Dr. Scarabus's castle. And when they get there, Dr. Scarabus is like a super charming good dude. Super pleasant. Right? I'd hang out and have dinner with them, watch them do some magic tricks dude, and stuff. Dude, if you could just gesture dinner... How awesome would that be? Oh, dude, that would like, you change know what? my life. I want, uh, I want a nice spiced ham with asparagus and a side of uh, a side of boar stuffed mushrooms. Ciao, boom! It's all there. Boar stuffed mushrooms, huh? That's boar is the best ham you'll ever have in your life. Damn. I don't know if you've ever had wild boar, but it's fantastic. Have you? Yes, I have. When? Uh, my dad's a guy that my dad works with actually went boar hunting and brought back a shit ton of meat. This is news to me. Yeah, it um, was delicious. It's like talk. the hammiest ham, 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 ham you'll ever have. In we're going to talk about this. I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so they go there. Dr. Scarabus is like a nice dude for all intents and purposes. Oh, yeah. he, Perfectly pleasant. He uh, invites them to dinner, Very tells hospitable. them to stay. He and, says, let's sit, let's drink, let's eat, let's have some conversation. I'm, and yeah. at dinner, it is when uh, Bedloe challenges him to a, a, a jack-off again. <laughs> <laughs> Over dinner. Not the right place. Um, but they, uh, so... <laughs> scar- and scar- then he gets turned into jack <laughs> Oh my Scarabus. god! He's like, all right, fine, you know, go ahead. I'm gonna beat you again, and uh, and he does. He does. He starts making furtive hand gestures during so dinner. When I saw this, I I, I came up. I, I came to the conclusion of this. Apparently, Lone Star is S- not the only comes. one who dares give somebody the raspberry. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Have you never seen Spaceballs? Lone Star. <laughs> they literally jammed been... the radar where they he launches a bottle of jam at the at the uh, satellite dish. Dude, I haven't seen Spaceball and, in like and fifteen Rick years. Rick Moranis's dark dark helmet. Yeah, wipes the screen and tastes it because there's like jam <laughs> falling down the screen. It was raspberry. Nobody dare gives me the raspberry. <laughs> it's so funny. Come on, but uh, that just reminded me of that in this movie. But. But yeah, so he turns him into a puddle of raspberry jam, random, super mm-hmm. random, uh, and uh, it's at this point where uh, Craven pretty much realizes that Scarabus was playing was he was enemies with his father, mm-hmm. and for as nice as he's been, he really is the enemy, mm-hmm. and they get into a majack off of their own. Yes. Which goes on for far too long. <laughs> it does go on for a long time. It's a time. long. It's twenty. Well, okay. <clears throat> it's about twenty minutes of no dialogue and them just majacking off back and forth at each other. So until one of them finally just. But if you think gives a, up. if you think about like this, the, I, this was the <laughs> climax of the movie. <laughs> um, it, the movie's if, just full of it. If you th- if you think about what this was for the time that it was in, this was the this was the 
this was like the big thing in this movie. Like the the last twenty minutes didn't need any dialogue because of the amazing special effects that Which were back happening in the on day, TV. They oh were. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they were, were like shooting, shooting fireballs out of their out of their hands. The, and... the axe though was a little oh, left left a lot to be imagined. The it knives like... were one thing. The axe though was the axe was bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. The fireballs were pretty <laughs> it was all like right. The MS was paint just... version of an axe. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the uh, the, 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 the the rays that come out of their oh, fingers. God, that was well, so... Those were actually kind of cool. It was like light beams that came out of their fingers, like it, and it's very primitive effects, but it looked cool. It was so anticlimactic, though, because I imagine to get that effect, the actors probably had to stay as still as possible. Oh yeah. So they're both just like standing very still with their fingers pointing at the other person, <laughs> and they're and it, it it's just like these light rays coming out of their hands. And, well, there's and and that goes on for way too long. Like that in itself is like probably forty seconds long. Well, and that's a long-ass time it when is, both actors is. are just standing completely still on screen. There is one scene where Scarabus gets a cannon next to him, and then <laughs> yeah. he snaps his fingers, and there's like a torch in his hand. Uh-huh. And you can see his body move like ever so slightly. Cut. Yeah. Because it was, it was like, cut, put a torch in his hand, don't move, put a torch in his hand, keep rolling. Like, right, kind of right, thing. right. <laughs> um, there's a charm to that, though. Yeah. Because you know how it was done, and you know like the... It, it took a lot of patience to mm-hmm. do those types of effects. And... Even though they're not perfect, I almost like them better than a lot of the new age effects. Well, and and then when you consider the editing process, like what went into that, mm-hmm. like to get to get that shot, like they said, okay, all right, stand stand like this with your stand hand out, and then still. okay, stay still. We're gonna come put a torch in your hand. Stay still, and then when they're editing the film, they literally have to go in, cut that piece of film out with a razor blade. And then tape those two pieces together sure. to get to get that effect. Like there's something, there's something about that that's just like so pure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean these nowadays, if you wanted to, like even right now, if you wanted to put a torch in my hand, there's a there's an iPhone app that'll do that for you. Sure, it's you know what I mean. Um, so they go on again forever back and forth mm-hmm. between this, this magic duel, which is still fun to watch, but it is a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, the movie or the the, the the duel ends with the castle coming down, mm-hmm. and uh, Craven ends up winning, and the castle falls in on uh, on Scarabus and Lenore. Yeah, you find out much yeah, Len- much Len- much like in much like in Pit and the Pendulum, Lenore has faked her death yes. so that she could go be with Scarabus instead of being with Erasmus. What a whore. Yeah. Just a just a just a, just a dirty, dirty girl. <laughs> um so here's 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 what kills me though. Is at the end of the movie, after the castle comes down, uh-huh. you see Scarabus and Lenore are still alive, mm-hmm. yet they're hatching themselves out of a rock. How did they get inside of a rock? I feel like um, <laughs> I feel like was that a- magic, or did a very odd piece of hollow rock just <laughs> fall on top of them that they buried buried themselves out of? No, I feel like uh, I, I I feel like he had just enough magic left in himself to kind of form a barrier around them as all this debris was coming down. That's that's how I explained okay, it. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take that. That's fine. Um, I think in conclusion, this movie was campy as hell, but it was super fun. Yeah. Um, I, I I loved it for very different reasons than I loved Pit and the Pendulum. It actually had also some, like, for the same reasons. It's a they're they're yeah, and it actually had it actually had some like pretty good jokes that landed. You it know? did. Like it especially did. the scenes with Peter Laurie, like 
he his his character was pretty much the the comic relief throughout the entire yeah, movie. He was really funny. He was insufferable, but he was very sure, funny. Yeah. Um. And when is a battle of magicians not fun? Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Right. You ever seen the Prestige with uh, Hugh Jackman? And um, I've not seen oh, the Prestige. I've not seen the Prestige. I forget who else. Or um, what was the other one that came out came out right around the same time? I'm not sure. Damn it. I have no idea what you're talking about. But there the Prestige was, is great. There was two movies that, uh, was it called The Illusionist or something? Oh, yeah, there was The Illusionist, yep. Is it? Yep. yep. There, it was like two movies about magicians that came out right around the same time. Sounds like a dull feature. <laughs> okay. Just Those saying. aren't horror movies, though. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, uh, the one thing, the one downfall I did have, though, is uh, the music in this movie played like a Looney Tunes soundtrack at times. Yeah. And it kind of took the piss out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it was a comedy, that was way too comedy. And it literally did feel like a Looney Tunes soundtrack. They even, if I'm not mistaken, they played that, uh, like, the very famous kind of uh, circus music. Yes, at one they, point did. they did. They like did. Which was a, it was a bit like on that. the nose. It was mm-hmm. a bit on the nose, and it kind of cheapened the scenes even more than they were supposed to be. Yeah. Which, you know, but whatever, it's it's old. They're using probably the same music they've used a thousand times. It's right. Roger Corman. But I'm you gotta, sure he just picked whatever was free and right. <laughs> used it. You got to imagine, though, like this movie back then, considering uh, what people found frightening back then. Yeah. This movie was probably like, uh, so we did, we did an episode where we did Club Dread. This movie was probably like Club Dread as compared to... I know what you did last summer. Sure. Part sure. two. Well, yeah. I still know what you did last summer. You know absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was like comparing comparing this movie to The Pit and the Pendulum was that that same sort of Um That being said, this movie did very well. It had a three hundred thousand three hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget. Damn. Um however it grossed one point five million. Oh, so yeah. for a Roger Corman movie, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm sure they were very happy with that. Um and yeah, that's uh that's the Raven. I would recommend both these movies. Yeah. Um, neither one of them are streaming. You know, like I said, we owned, I owned one of them on glorious Laserdisc. Yes. The other one, uh, the Raven, we rented. Uh, yeah, but it's, and the Laserdisc is a double feature. It's, it's also it got is, Fall of the House of Usher. Which I'm pretty sure would probably feel like even more of the same movie. Which is another Corman, <laughs> which is another Corman Poe adaptation. Yep. That's the third out of the three. And they also did Mask of the Red Death later on. They did. Uh, was that a Corman as well? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Did a Fall couple of, of the ones. House of Usher. We got to do that yep, sometime. Yep, I yep. love that movie. I want to watch it just on its own. Yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, that's 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 Vincent Price uh, yep. in that era of his career. The Price is right. It was absolutely right. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's it for those two movies. Okay. Definitely watch them. I mean, if you're not into if you're not into old cinema. I'm into uh, these, old a lot of things. These might be good. These might be a good jumping off point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, they're no, they're great. Coming from a person that wasn't a huge fan of a lot of these old movies, now that I'm, I appreciate them more. I'm going back and watching them. I, I love them. Mm-hmm. I think they're 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 fantastic. Yeah. So I, I can definitely recommend that you go and watch these movies. They're just good. Yeah. They're just, they're just good movies. All right. So we're gonna jump into the. What is that feedback? That's terrible. Was it me? Was That's it me? That's probably you. Him. Yeah. Nope, uh, we're you. gonna. I don't think so. That was you. Uh, oh, it's you. Oh, oh, it's me. Damn. Good Lord, Michael. <laughs> uh, we're going to jump into the uh, the Wheel of Pizza Death. And well, I don't know if we've actually put this onto the Wheel of Pizza Death, but we did discuss, because there, there are some other movies that we want to do that don't necessarily fall into the horror genre. So we're actually going to put a new 
place on the wheel of pizza death that is non-horror movies. We are. We are. We're not going to do it this week, but no, just but up- upcoming that will be an option. I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna preface the wheel of pizza death by this. We had said that this next week coming up was going to be Stranger Things season three. Yeah. Um, we have not heard back from uh, our guest Alex, who's gonna be on. Well, he said. So, he said he's down. I think he's pretty much free whenever. So. Well, here's we, here, we have to. Here's how. Here's how this is gonna work. We're gonna spin the wheel of pizza death. Mm-hmm. If Alex is ready for next week, mm-hmm. then that's going to be next week, Stranger okay. Things Season 3. If not... If he's not, then we're going to go with this, right. and um, so we'll flip-flop them. Right, However cool. it works out, we're going to flip-flop. Sounds good. So uh, here we go. That sweet, sweet sound of the wheel of... Oh, God. I love it. Oh. bleeding. Did your you phone it. get louder somehow? You love it. Terrible. What is that feedback? It's my phone, probably. Well, for... Uh, all right, so we landed on a retrospective. Really? We did. That's okay. so okay. So here's the one that we have in the queue. Mm-hmm. This is going to be sort of probably how we did the Saw franchise. Yeah. To where we're going to do two episodes per and do them every other week, oh, so boy. people don't get burnt out. Okay. <laughs> the Child's Play franchise. Oh, okay. So given that a new movie just came out, we can end it kind of topically. Nice. So uh, this is going to take a couple of weeks, probably a three-week segment here. Yeah. But we'll, um, we'll break it up, like you yeah, said, we'll, like we'll the, break it up between two movies, so. maybe three if we have to fit sure. one in, and then we'll just kind of fit the episode to that. Cool. But uh, but yeah, so Child's Play. All right, either next week or the week after, depending on how Stranger Things works out. Yes, yes, that's y'all. where we're at. All right, well uh, that does it for this week. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on find us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Facebook at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzed Kill PC. You can find us on all major streaming platforms. Uh, uh, you've clearly found us already so tell a friend or two or three or tell your whole family yeah tell your tell your kid sister to tell her friends to tell their fathers yes yeah weird okay <laughs> if you want to find J-Rodge you can find me on all social media at Ocean Recording and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs yeah that'll do it gentlemen alright boys well we'll see you next week with either a bunch of Chucky or a bunch of Stranger Stranger things. Things. (laughs) 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 Cheers. Cheers, boys. Try to have a good night. Rest in peace, Beverly.